0: In Psalms, that was Psalm 1. In fact, Will and I read that um, this week uh, as I was putting him to bed and we got to talk about Psalm 1 this week. So thank you for leading us and seeing that. If you would open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 29. Our text will begin with verse 31 and will continue through chapter 30, verse 24. However, uh, I'm going to, as I have been doing these past few weeks, uh, read the passage as we move through the text. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would be with us as I open your word and seek to proclaim it. I ask that uh, you would add your blessing and your power to it. I pray that uh, you would build our faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that you would help us to, um, to look inside our hearts and in so doing, realize again how much we need Christ. And so, um, uh, trust in Him uh, by faith. I ask this in His name. Amen. Last week, the boxer Ken Norton died. I remember watching him box when I was a small child. My dad and I, on Friday nights, we'd watch Sanford and Son, and then a little later in the evening, we'd watch Friday uh, Friday Night at the Fights. And as I was studying this passage and making notes, uh, I realized that in the notes I was making, I was really in, in my mind making out a scorecard. Um a scorecard between uh, Leah and Rachel. Because what I was doing was I was trying to trace out which of the children belonged to Leah and which of the children um, belonged to, to Rachel. And, um, of course, all of these children were Jacob's children. It gets quite confusing. Um, and so as I had this... Uh, this idea of the scorecard, I, I, I was real tempted to open the sermon as a ring announcer. In this corner, assisted by Zilpah, her maidservant, is Leah. And in this corner, assisted by Billa, her maidservant, is Rachel. But uh, I didn't know how that would go over, so... Um, I did not do that. On the back of your bulletin, however, you don't have a typical sermon outline. What you have is this scorecard that uh, that I had had drawn up. And I've broken this this battle between the, the birthing sisters in the six rounds. And rather than landing blows to decide who won this, this fight, the competition was for who could have the most children. Leah was credited with nine children, while Rachel was credited with three. Uh, And each sister had assistance, as I've already mentioned, from their maidservants. I'm going to read through uh, this passage. Um, and we will go round by round, but I'm going to pause between each round for some comments. And then after that, I'm going to uh, make some comments on what I think is really going on in this passage. Now, Uh, We are working our way through Genesis, for those of you who are visiting, uh, passage by passage. So you will remember from last week that Jacob came to his uncle's um, house. He was fleeing from his brother. He was also seeking a wife. Upon arriving, he met Rachel, uh, and it was love at first sight. Rachel was her uncle's daughter. Jacob worked seven years for his uncle to pay the dowry that was required in order for him to marry Rachel. And the Bible says that those seven years seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. But his uncle deceived Jacob. Jacob, who so craftily deceived his brother, who so craftily deceived his, his father, stole his, his brother's blessing, Is now deceived by his uncle because his uncle substituted his older daughter Leah in Rachel's place. After a week, then, uh, after he fulfilled his marriage week with Leah, then his uncle said, Okay, now you can marry Rachel as well. And um, Jacob had to work an additional additional seven years. Jacob loved Rachel, but he did not love Leah. And this sets the stage for the six-round bout that uh, we are going to look at. So look with, with me at Genesis 29, verses 31 through 35. These first uh, five verses. Or rather, the last five verses in chapter 29. You'll notice that Leah wants children because what she really wants is Jacob's love. So beginning with verse 31 in chapter 29, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, He has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son, and said, "Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons." Therefore his name was called Levi. And again she conceived, er, and she conceived again and bore a son, and said, "This time I will praise the Lord." Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Jacob loved Rachel, but Rachel is driven to envy by her sister because Rachel can't have any children. Her envy was so great that she gave her maidservant, I keep saying serpent, maidservant to Jacob uh, so that he could have children through her. And so follow along as I read uh, chapter 30, verses 1 through 8. When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children, or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? Then she said, Here is my servant Billah go into her, that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant Billah as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Billah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me, and so and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant Billah conceived again and bore Jacob, a second son. Then Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings, I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. Meanwhile, Leah had stopped having children. So she employed the same strategy that her sister had employed. She gave her maidservant uh, to Jacob. And so verses 9 through 13, when Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her, took her servant Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son and Leah said, good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah, Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son and Leah said, happy am I. For women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. Uh, Just for an update, the score right now is Leah 6, Rachel 2. However, Rachel has not gotten pregnant herself. Only her maidservant has given her children. Uh, but Rachel's not giving up hope. In fact, Rachel sees an opportunity uh, because Leah's uh, oldest son, Reuben, was out in the field and he saw some mandrakes. And he picked these man- mandrakes and brought them to his mother, Leah. Rachel desperately wanted these mandrakes. So Leah sold them sold these mandrakes to her sister on the condition that Rachel would send Jacob Uh, over to her tent or her side of the tent uh, to spend the night with Leah. Why would they get so excited about these mandrakes? Well, the mandrakes were thought to help with fertility. That's why Rachel wanted them so badly, because she couldn't get pregnant. Now, on a side note... Uh, each generation of young people, I've noticed, and you've probably noticed this too, they think they are more clever than the previous generation because they'll come up with some little uh, slang word for some little aspect of, uh, of popular culture. And um, they don't realize that each generation of, of, of young people comes up with with slang terms to describe aspects of their culture. They've been doing this for thousands of years. The archaeologists have discovered that there was a slang term for mandrakes uh, back in the ancient Near East. The slang term for mandrakes were love apples. (laughs) And so when Jacob came home from the field, Rachel said, Oh! Long tent, and she said, You're going to my sister's uh, tonight uh, because I've you uh, um, my sister hired you by giving me some of her mandrakes, and so we have this mandrakes episode. In verses 14 through 18, In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? Uh, Rachel said, then he may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, "You must come in to me, for I have hired you with my son's mandrakes, So he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, "God has given me my wages because I have my servant, because I gave my servant." To my husband, so she kept, called his name Ishakar. Now, obviously, the love apples did not work um, because it's God alone that opens the womb, and so Rachel didn't get pregnant because of of uh, of, of the mandrakes. Um, but Leah did get pregnant. Not only that. Leah had a sixth son and a daughter as well. So verses 19-21, through And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me, because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. And then finally... God allowed Rachel to conceive, verses 22 through 24, um, then close out uh, the birth wars, if you will. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. Now, the question I want to ask is why did this birth war break out between these sisters? The reason can be boiled down to one simple word. The reason the birth wars broke out was because of idolatry. Leah and Rachel were fighting this six-round war to have babies. But both of them had surrendered in the most important war of all, the war for their souls. Because both were being ruled in their hearts by something other than God. Leah desperately wanted to be loved by her husband. And that ruled her life. And so her strategy was to gain Jacob's love by outconceiving her sister, Rachel uh, Rachel was ruled by the cultural norm that said that um, barrenness is not so much to be pitied as to be disdained. In other words, uh, Rachel um, was a child of her culture. And because it was the women... Uh, of her day in Mesopotamia where she was living, uh, were disdained because when they were barren, she did not want to be disdained. She wanted to have children at all costs. She was loved by her husband, but she couldn't have children and she could not stand it. Um, Remember what she said in verse 20. I'm sorry. In verse, uh, in verse 1 of chapter 30, Give me children or I shall die! She screamed at Jacob. Both, sp- both sisters speak of God. Uh, both talk about God giving them the children. Uh, but both also gave their maidservants to Jacob in their attempts to win the birth war. And so neither one really, even though they speak of God, they really don't seem to have a lot of faith in God. Maybe Rachel had real faith in God, but when she, she had her sixth and last child, She said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me because I have borne him six sons. In other words, it seems as if even though she's saying God has endowed her with these sons, what she's really after is for her husband to honor her, for her husband to love her, for her husband to show affection to her. Uh, so whether she's a, a Christian or not is I don't know if we can answer that question. Christians also struggle with idolatry, uh, so I don't think it's vital to, that we know Leah's condition, uh, spiritual condition. Um, what do I mean by idolatry? Well, I'm not talking about little Buddhas lined up on the on the the, the mantel uh, that they were worshiping. Rather, by um, by idolatry, I mean anything that we look to for meaning, for happiness, or for hope outside of God. Uh, Leah felt like her life would be meaningless and without any happiness at all if her husband didn't love her. And so she put her her hope uh, in her success in giving birth. Every time she gave birth, except for for when she gave birth to Judah, she was looking for her her husband to love her. All the while, she failed to realize that God is the only one who is able to give us true meaning, true happiness, and true hope. And then Rachel, when she felt like her life would be without meaning, Without happiness, um, because she was going to be despised by her peers because she was barren. Now, with all the progress and technology that we have made over the years, we sometimes forget that our hearts are in the same condition as Rachel and Leah's, that uh, we are idolaters as well. Sin always expresses itself in two directions. First of all, well, not first of all, but uh, I'm describing first of all uh, outwardly the sin, you know, the the act, the sinful actions. But there's another direction. It also expresses itself inwardly, and really expresses itself inwardly first, and then outwardly um, next, and inwardly. Uh, it expresses itself in these inward desires. I must have this, otherwise my life won't have meaning. Um, So-and-so must give me this, otherwise I won't be happy. And so sin always has an inward and an outward component. The truth about the human heart is not pretty. Um, We have these inward desires that are always pulling in on ourselves. We are relentlessly self-centered. We are relentlessly self-exalting. We are relentlessly self-willed. We're even relentlessly self-deceived. We are willing to deceive ourselves to get what we want at all costs. Our hearts want to fulfill our self-centered, self-exalting, self-willing appetite. We are willing even to deceive ourselves to fulfill our our self-centered appetite. We're even willing to make God a party uh, to to our idolatry. Uh, Rachel and Leah, it seems, tried to turn God into a fertility doctor. And God has to give me this child. God has to give me a husband that loves me. Uh, James chapter 4 says that we are given to doing the same things. That we make a God a party to our prayers in order that He would... Um, Give us the desires of our idolatrous hearts. James chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God, give me a wife. Otherwise, I won't have happiness in this life. God, give me a job. Otherwise, my life will be without fulfillment. God, give me this. God, give me that. Otherwise, I cannot have any hope whatsoever in this life and god says i love you too much to do that your inward lust or passions are actually deeper and more dangerous than your outward sins what makes your inward lust or these passions that james talks about so so especially dangerous is that you're able to hide your your inward lusts, your idols from everybody else. Only you and God know what's going on in your heart. In fact, you are who you are secretly before God. If you want to know who you are, don't simply measure your outward actions. Think about the content of your desires, of your secret desires, that only you, and because God is all-wise and all-knowing, only you and God know about. That is who you really are. And I believe if you are being honest with yourself, then right now you're crying out to God for forgiveness because you know the things that are going on in your own heart that nobody else knows about except you and God. There's a lot more I want to say about idolatry this morning, but I'm going to resist because I want to make one concluding point, and I want that point to stick. The point I want to make is this, that the nation of Israel was born from idolatry. Here we have here in this these birth wars between Leah and Rachel uh, really the birth of the nation of Israel, the birth of the twelve tribes. And the nation of Israel was born from idolatry. The nation through whom the Messiah came into the world was born through idolatry. You would think that God would have left this 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 shameful account of, of Leah and Rachel envying each other, competing against each other. You would think that He would have left it out of the Bible because it doesn't reflect well on His people. Um, but it's here. Why did God include this passage in the Bible? The reason is... God wants us to know that Christ was born out of idolatry because He came to save idolaters. Christ came to identify in every way possible, even though He never committed the sin of idolatry. He came to identify with idolaters in order that He might be the Savior of idolaters. This is central to why He came into this idolatrous world. He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is a rare thing. I am ahead of the clock. So I'm going. There was something I left out of my notes. Matthew chapter 1. I don't know if you've noticed this. In the genealogy of Jesus, uh, Matthew stops at different points and points out different women in the passage or different sins in the lives of the, 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 the kings um, who brought forth, uh, from whom um, Christ's lineage came. Listen to this. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar. It pauses and mentions Tamar. Who was Tamar? Tamar was Judah's um, daughter-in-law, but because she didn't get pregnant, Um, and her husband's kept dying, she pretended to be a prostitute and got pregnant by her father-in-law. We'll see this in the book of Genesis. I don't know how I'm going to deal with that passage. But it pauses there and mentions Tamar. And then it continues. And Perez, the father of Hezron, and Hezron, the father of Ram, and Ram, the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Solomon, Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Well, Who's Rahab? Um, Rahab was not even an Israelite, she was a Gentile. And then it mentions Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. I'm sorry, I'm getting everybody mixed up. Rahab actually was a prostitute. She was a, 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 a lived in um, in. See, this is why I don't get Jericho. Thank you. Um, so she was a prostitute living in Jericho, and so it says mentions her. Then it mentions Ruth, the Moabitess, um, who was not a, a an Israelite but a Gentile. And then it goes on. Um, Ruth and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. <laughs> Who was Uriah? Uriah was Bathsheba's wife that David had murdered. And it us to remind us of this. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And it goes on and on. You see how the Bible purposely pauses to to show us in David's uh, or in Christ's line there were some unsavory uh, people, and it's reminding us that Jesus Christ, God's own Son, came into this world was descendant descended by sinners in order that He might save sinners. Christ was born from idolatry in order to be the Savior of idolaters. He did not come into this world to save good sinners and a few wicked idolaters as well. No, Christ came only to save idolaters. If you do not consider yourself to be an idolater, then Christ did not come to save you. You have to find another, good, uh, another way into heaven. Good luck with that. Christ came to save sinners. And He saves them completely by becoming sin on the cross, by dying and paying the full penalty for our sin by being resurrected from the dead and now sits in heaven at the Father's right hand making intercession for those who trust in Him. We all know that we struggle with idolatry. We all know that our hearts are always caving in on ourselves because because we love ourselves. We all know that we too easily Replace God with other things in our hearts. That's why Christ came to die. Trust in Him now. He came to be the Savior of idolaters. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that You would um, help us to hang on to Jesus Christ for dear life. For He is the life. Father, I ask that You would help us in hanging on to Him to repent of our own idolatry, to um, trust in Christ, to let go of these things uh, in the world that vie for our attention and take our attention off of You. Father, I pray Your blessings on every person here. Father, I pray for those who do not know You, that You would draw them to Yourself. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.